the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. All right, 1st of November and a pleasant Wednesday afternoon to you. Trust you're having a great week so far. Made it halfway through the week and uh, sailing into the weekend before you know it. Hey, to help you kind of glide into the balance of your Wednesday afternoon and evening, we've got a great program planned for you. A little bit later on, we've got Brian Johnston joining us with some good news on a court decision pertaining to the so-called California FACT Act or Assembly Bill 775 that essentially forced pro-life organizations across the state to help promote abortion as if women going in for um, counseling related to alternatives to abortion don't know that abortion already exists as an option. So big victory there. We'll tell you about it a little bit later on. Also, Pastor Phil Howard will drop by for a bit, talk about um, the upcoming listener appreciation event that you heard mentioned a moment ago, scheduled for Friday, November the 10th. All right, let's get down to cases. Federal prosecutors are now announcing terrorism charges against the suspect in yesterday's terrible attack in New York City. Just about 24 hours after Sepov's attack, we now have him charged with federal crimes of terrorism. The complaint filed today charges Saipov with two counts. First, material support of a terrorist organization. And second, a federal charge of violence and destruction of a motor vehicle. In Mirandized interview statements with law enforcement last night and today, Saipov allegedly admitted that he was inspired to commit the attack by the ISIS videos he watched and had been planning this attack for two months. There is a statement by acting U.S. Attorney for the Southern District in New York, June Kim, noting that the charges come just about 24 hours after Seifulo Seipov ran down a number of people on a bike path in lower Manhattan. So far, the death count stands at eight. Another 12 remain in hospital. It raises yet once again the question of Islam. And I think troubling to know that adherents to Islam are about to surpass Judaism in the United States. I guess we have to now be compelled to ponder the question, how long before Islam overtakes Christianity in the United States as well? Understanding this, sometimes referred to as peaceful religion, I think is vitally important, not only for the survival of the West, but quite frankly, for the survival of Christianity. Joining me now, a longtime friend to this radio station. He is a best-selling author. You know him, perhaps, as the president of the Christian Research Institute, better known in most circles as the Bible Answer Man. And what a delight to have join us on the program to talk about his newly released book, Muslim, What You Need to Know About the World's Fastest Growing Religion, Hank Hanegraaff. Hank, how are you? <laughs> Oh, good to be with you. I got goosebumps listening to your voice again. I, I haven't talked to you for a long time, but I've always appreciated 
the skill you have in radio. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, and Hank, of course, uh, a big fan of yours for many, 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 many years. And of course, longtime listeners to KFAX, I'm sure uh, very much appreciate your ministry and your impact when it comes to truth telling. And that's what we're going to spend some time doing today, telling the truth about Islam that Quite frankly, it seems as if in the West, and particularly in the United States and Europe, we have a difficult time doing that. Why so? Yeah, it's interesting. I think that unless you communicate the narrative that Islam is a religion of peace and tolerance, the fear is that you're going to exacerbate hostilities that might otherwise lay dormant. Uh, And so this narrative has been a convenient truth to communicate in the West, now becoming more and more inconvenient as we see wave after wave after wave of terrorist attacks. But Craig, there's also an undertow. Uh, no one knows about that more than Californians. You can, you can not only see waves coming in off the ocean, the Pacific, but there's also this this uh, undertow that happens, and if you're maybe on a blanket on the beach, and then you go into the water, all of a sudden you realize if you're in an undertow, that blanket is starting to disappear from you. And that's sort of what happens with migration without assimilation. It's the python that swallows its prey with a long and slow digestion. It's not as noticeable, but ultimately it is the real issue, the issue that the West today is facing. And are there degrees to which we're being taken advantage of? And and by that I mean there seems to be a great deal of manipulation of American sensitivities towards things like pluralism, multiculturalism, uh, polytheism as well, I suppose, if we could technically argue that Islam does not worship the same God as that of Christians and Jews. So it seems as if our our proclivity towards certain sensitivities and the big uh, buzzword today that we have to be sure that we're being tolerant suddenly sounds as if they are really going in and and sort of like the Trojan horse sneaking in underneath the fence and taking advantage of that. Sure. And I've often said that tolerance when it comes to personal relationships is an obvious virtue, but tolerance when it comes to truth is a travesty. And the truth of the matter is, Islam is not a religion of peace and tolerance. There are millions of Muslims that may be peaceful and tolerant, but Islam has demonstrated through 14 centuries of human history that it has always advanced by sword. I mean, if you look at the early advance of Islam, first it's Damascus, then it's Antioch, where believers were first called Christians, and then it's Jerusalem, and pretty soon it's the whole of the Levant, and then it's half of the then-known world, all subjugated by sword. And so Islam has always advanced in this way. And so we can look at the evidence. The evidence is undeniable. And that evidence is not only historical, but look at what the Quran says. Fight, slay the pagans wherever you find them, seize them, beleaguer them, lie in wait for them in every stratagem of war. In essence, Muslim advances through the Shahada. Someone becomes a Muslim by saying... I believe that Allah is the only true God, Muhammad is his messenger, or through subjugation, which is you pay a poll tax, a jizya, and that keeps you somewhat safe, 
So if you live in a Muslim country, if you don't want to be harassed, you pay this this gangster protection racket, as it were. Uh, so it's uh, it's either shahada subjugation or it's the sword, and that is how Islam has always advanced. And I think that when people talk about radical Islamic jihadism, they have to remember that this is not radical. This is going back to the DNA impregnated in the Quran and in the life and legacy of Muhammad. So what we saw, for example, that occurred yesterday in New York City, fair to say that that is not radical Islam, but rather fundamental Islam? Yeah, I mean, it's going back to the very example given by Muhammad and given by the successors of Muhammad, the first the four or rightly guided caliphs, and then the caliphates that followed. Think about what happened uh, with the Ottoman Turks. I mean, there's so many examples, and even fairly recent history. Uh, for example, around the time of World War One, you have the complete genocide of all Christians uh, in, in Sherna, a historical city, uh, a biblical city that we read about in the book of Revelation. So the genocide against Christians is continuing on in the Middle East to this very hour, just as it was uh, 14 centuries ago, the 7th century, with the Medinan massacres. You, you think about what is happening in the Middle East, in the Levant. This happens to be squarely in the blind spot of the West, but there's mass genocide of Christians going on, and I think it's time to end it. Well, and the irony here is, and maybe you can help shed some light on this, because as you suggest, we have 14 centuries of history. We have the books, the Quran and the Hadith, that tell us exactly what Islam teaches. We have the front page of the newspaper from just this morning. So the combination of all of those together would seem to me that it would be fairly easy for the West to put two and two together and say, you know what, we think that we have a religion here that is fundamentally setting itself up not only against the West from a broader sense, but more specifically against Christianity and Judaism in specific. And I know it's a difficult word. It's a word that a lot of people don't like to pronounce. But I think we could fairly call this perhaps one of the, if not the, most dangerous cult in the world. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong at all. In fact, you know, I, I think you're underscoring something, Craig, that people often miss, and that is Islam is not a religion in the, in the Western sanitized sense of the word. It's a socioeconomic political system that runs on the rails of Sharia. So if you want to know about Islam, you have to ultimately know about sacred Islamic law. And you look at sacred Islamic law and you see jihadism. Now, this is not something that I would say. All you have to do is get the reliance of the traveler. Uh, here you have a manual on sacred Islamic law, and there you can read that jihad is not an inner war. The emphasis is on the outer jihad. Uh, now, there is an inner jihad, there's this inner struggle, but there's also an outer struggle, and that's what we ought to pay attention to. But what's chilling, and I, I was just on Fox doing a, a debate for Lauren Green, who's the wonderful religion uh, person at, at Fox, and, and that debate was with a Muslim who was giving this flowery story about all of the, the wonders of peace that Islam has brought to the world. 
but it's simply religious dissimulation. It is communicating that which is not true, and it's, I think it's high time that we woke up to the reality and, and, and that we don't follow for this, uh, fall, fall for this idea that if we are uh, speaking the truth, that somehow or other we're marginalizing Islam. No, what we're actually doing is we're paying tribute to what Islam actually teaches as opposed to, well, the uh, reconfiguration that's taking place in the modern narrative. And in that process of truth-telling, I think from a biblical perspective, we could suggest that we are also helping to set the captives free. I'm struck by, and you talk about this inside the book, Muslim, what you need to know about the world's fastest-growing religion, that there have been a lot of people that have been naysayers or apologists for Islam. I'm reminded of some of the early um, public pronouncements that the former president made, um, specifically saying that, well, Islam is a religious, uh, tolerant faith. It is one that believes in racial equality, and yet the irony is the facts and history and the teachings of Islam just don't support those kinds of assertions. No, absolutely not. And it's not just Barack Obama. I mean, you can look at Carly Fiorina, you can look at George Bush, you can uh, look at uh, so many politicians, even across the pond, Tony Blair, uh, uh, David Cameron, so many examples of people that are communicating the same thing. But let me give you an example. You, you alluded to Barack Obama. This is how religious dissimulation works. Uh, for example, he will quote the Holy Quran teaching that whoever kills an innocent, it is as if he has killed all of humankind, and whoever saves a person, it is as though he has saved all of mankind. Now, this is the way a text is used out of context, because in context, Allah is paraphrasing the God of the Jewish Talmud to point out that murder, crucifixion, mutilation, in this case of Jews, is warranted in that disbelief warrants murder. Now, how do I know that? Well, you just keep reading the Quran. The very next verse says, and this is what Obama left out, is the punishment of those who wage war against a law and his messenger and strive to make mischief in the land is only this, that they should be murdered or crucified, or their hands and feet should be cut off on opposite sides, or they should be imprisoned. Now there you have the, the, the Quran itself speaking of the horrendous things that are happening in the Middle East as we are doing this interview. Mass genocide, and this is not radical Islam, this is run-of-the-mill Islam. This is Muslims following the Quran as it is properly communicated, not following the Quran in this mischaracterization that we had during the Obama administration. Well, and that takes us back to the core of the notion that a text without a context is a pretext. And I, listen, I know that. I used to listen to the Bible Answer Man. So, we, <laughs> And in fact, we're speaking to him right now. Hank Hanegraaff is with us today. You know him as not only the nationally syndicated host of the Bible Answer Man broadcast, he is a best-selling author. His latest book, ironically just released 20 days ago, I mean so hot off the presses, the ink is barely dry. 
Muslim, what you need to know about the world's fastest growing religion. And by the way, you can get a copy of the book published by Thomas Nelson by going to the Bible Answer Man's website, which is equip.org. That's E-Q-U-I-P dot O-R-G. We'll have more of our conversation with Hank Hanegraaff, the Bible Answer Man, as Lifeline continues right after this. Let's get you a quick update on traffic. The latest now at the KFAX Traffic Center with Michael Bennett. Michael. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We have learned over the past three or four years the danger of the Islamization of Europe. Now many are beginning to wonder whether or not it's beginning to happen at a serious note here in our own country. Be mindful of the fact that this attack in New York yesterday is not the first one. In fact, there's been upwards of a half a dozen fundamentalist Islamic attacks against U.S. interests on our own soil since 9-11. So what do we make of all of this? We're here today with best-selling author, the president of the Christian Research Institute, the Bible Answer Man, Hank Hanegraaff. Hank's got a new book out. The timing on this is, is ironic, but, but I think important because these are lessons that we all need to be learning right now. And his book is called Muslim, What You Need to Know About the World's Fastest Growing Religion. What of this notion, Hank? Are we witnessing the Islamization of the United States now? Well, I think there is certainly a move in that direction. And all we have to do is recognize that we are following in the train of the EU countries. And the reality is this, that countries that become Islamic demographically will ultimately succumb to Islam uh, politically as well. And that is happening in EU countries, and I think that there's a good case to be made that unless we are vigilant, the same thing is going to happen in the United States. And, And here's the reason. You think about demographics. Uh, The birth rate of Native Americans is less than the death rate. In other words, Native populations are dying out and filling the vacuum are millions of polygamous Muslims that have no intention whatsoever of assimilating into Western culture. And there's a reason for that as well. And that reason is that in Islam, Sharia is state and state is Sharia. In other words, no distinction between Sharia and state. And so Muslims that hold to Sharia don't want to assimilate into a Western democracy because they don't see a separation between church and state, or in this case, mosque and state. And, uh, of course, as Christians, we do. We say, as Jesus said, given to Caesar that which is Caesar's, and unto God that which is God's. So in Christianity, there's a distinction, there's a separation, but not in, in, in Islam. And so you see these Sharia-controlled zones in EU countries, and it's quite draconian if you've ever been there and actually witnessed how the authorities really don't want to get into the mix because of the danger of it. And again, we have the danger of the same thing happening in places like Dearborn, Michigan, and uh, in, in other places throughout the United States. 
We've got a scant few moments left together, and I don't uh, I, I don't want to do this less justice than what it's due. It actually, would probably take a four-hour um, sit-down with you to, to really dive into this topic, which is a good reason why I would encourage listeners to go out if you really want to go deeper. We, we will see in the coming days and weeks many explanations, many attempts by the talking heads on the nightly news to understand what happened in New York yesterday, understanding the why it happened, particularly and uniquely from a theological and historical standpoint, well, that is what you'll learn inside the pages of Muslim, what you need to know about the world's fastest growing religion, the book newly published by Thomas Nelson and available through the Bible Answer Man website at equip.org. That's equip.org. In the few moments that remain, Hank, walk us through. You use the word Muslim as an acronym. Can you just kind of give us the highlights so that listeners will get a better appreciation for what they'll learn inside this book? Sure, and I, I did use the acronym Muslim so that people could wrap their arms around a very big topic. But the M simply stands for Muhammad. It is the life and legacy of Muhammad contrasted with the crystal Christ, the paragon of virtue. And when you see the distinction between the two, it is a distance that is equated to the distance of infinity. Uh, the U stands for unreliable revelations, the chief of which is the Quran, riddled with uh, factual errors and faulty ethics. Uh, the S stands for Sharia, as I mentioned, Sharia state and state is Sharia. And I talk about the effect of Sharia on women, on war, and particularly on Western civilizations. And then the L, the Levant, the area from Turkey all the way down uh, to Egypt. This is an area that has been in, in, in great, great distress as a result of Islam. And figures very highly in their eschatological, eschatological uh, uh, ideas. And, 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 and then I uh, talk about the Islamic State, not just in the sense, that's the I, not just in the sense of, a, uh, of an ISIS or a Boko Haram or an Al-Qaeda, but in the sense of an end-time Islamic caliphate. And then the last letter is the most important, which is major Muslim misapprehensions. There I use the principle, Craig, of, of contrast being the mother of clarity. So how do you know if a stick is crooked? Well, you lay a straight stick next to it. And that's what I do, comparing what Muslims teach with respect to the Christian faith and what Christianity actually teaches. Muslims seek to tear the very heart out of the Christian faith, denying the crucifixion, and vicariously the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the essentials of the historic Christian faith, including the deity of Jesus Christ, which they say is, if you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you've committed the unforgivable sin of shirk. On your program, you frequently share the observation that the cults are the unpaid bills of the church. Uh, contextualize that for me, if you would, in response to the question, as we saw what unfolded in Lower Manhattan yesterday, what is it about Islam, and, and in particular Daesh or ISIS, that seems to be so attractive to young Muslims? Yeah, well, they bought into the skin of the truth, stuffed with a great big lie, and the impetus is on Christians to be able to communicate the truth with gentleness and with respect. I mean, if Christians were doing what Christians were called to do, they would be ambassadors for Jesus Christ, and then the fastest-growing religion in the world would not be Islam, it would be Christianity. And by the way, Islam will overtake 
Christianity in a short while if Christians don't do what we have been called to do, and that is reach out to those who are lost with the life-giving beauty of the gospel. It is high time that the Church of Jesus Christ wake up to what it is we're facing here, the challenges that are not only being metered out in Europe, but in all of the West, and now even closer to home in the United States, and the responsibility, not just of the yes, the authorities to look at immigration and track down potential terrorists, yeah, all of that, but also, as Hank Hanegraaff so and most importantly points out, to look at the responsibility that the church has in responding to all of this and recognizing what the threat is and to be tellers of truth, do it in love, but to be tellers of truth. You want to go deeper? You want to learn more? Again, the timing of the book, ironic, released just 20 days ago. It's called Simply Muslim, What You Need to Know About the World's Fastest Growing Religion, and it's available through the Bible Answer Man website at equip.org. That's equip.org. And our thanks to Hank Hanegraaff for being with us tonight. And Hank, as always, uh, good to hear your voice and a delight to have you uh, back on the KFAX airwaves. Hope one of these days we can make that more permanently. I hope so, too. All right, my friend, take care. There's Hank Hanegraaff, the Bible Answer Man. Information about the ministry at equip.org. That's equip.org. 532, let's get you updated on traffic. That update now with Michael Bennett in the KFAX Traffic Center. Michael. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, we are back with some good news tonight. I oftentimes get... um, Oh, chastised in a, in a good fashion about uh, well, you sure share a lot of negative news. Well, the the under the undercurrent, of course, is supposed to be all good news. But we also try to educate you and inform you and keep you on top of what's going on in the news, so that you can then play a more effective role at being light and salt. Toward that end. I do have some good news tonight. Actually, we're going to let uh, Brian Johnston let the proverbial cat out of the bag concerning a Superior Court judge's decision regarding the California FACT Act. Boy, talk about a misnomer. <laughs> AB 775, down in judicial flames. And Brian Johnston, Western Regional Director with the National Right to Life Committee, tell us what happened. Well, Craig, as you recall, you were involved as well. Uh, A couple of years ago, we saw the legislature pushing extraordinary measures. One was Assembly Bill 775, which would force pro-life counseling centers to tell the young woman that was in front of them about free abortions. They were required to say that first, that there were free abortions available, and to give her instructions as to where to go and get those abortions. They would also have to post on the wall those details, very readable, so that any young mother that came in, that that was the first thing they saw. Well, this is an extraordinary thing. Not only does it violate the conscience of those who are volunteering, most crisis pregnancy center folks are volunteers, and they're being forced by the state to promote abortion. A federal case went up, and that actually ended up, as you know, in the, the Ninth Circuit in the Western states. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals is not a friend of rational thinking and was being stuck. It stuck there. They had ruled in favor of AB 775. But we were asked to be involved, and glad we did. We were involved in a state appeal through the state courts. And down in the Riverside County, um, 
This was appealed on the basis of the state constitution's freedom of speech, which is in many cases considered to be stronger than the federal freedom of speech. And uh, basically, we got what we asked, and the law has been enjoined, and it prohibits Javier Becerra, who is the very, very pro-abortion attorney general of the state, of the state of California, prohibits him from enforcing AB 775. Literally every pro-life counseling center was going to be forced to have to promote abortion or suffer penalties. So we're very pleased. And, you know, to, to unwind this for listeners, the, 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 the utter slippery slope, the danger, the constitutional danger that stood behind Assembly Bill 775 was the fact that here all of a sudden, and most ironically so, it would compel pro-life clinics to publicly promote abortion, I'm sure to the delight and, and at the behest of organizations like Planned Parenthood, as if somehow the availability of abortion to women is a secret in the United States. And yet the irony is, of course, there's no aspect of this bill that turned the tide on that to say, okay, now we're going to require that pro-life organizations post signs that say, now, if you'd like to have an abortion, here's where you can go. And then we're going to do the same thing to all of the abortion clinics and say, now, if you would like to look at alternatives and discover the choices that are available to you, here's where you can go, too. But this was very one-sided and intentionally so, wasn't it? Oh, very much. And it, it passed on party lines. Basically, we know that the most radical elements of the Democrat Party can control Sacramento. So this was basically the jackboots of democracy, forcing, because they had the votes, you know, force those that didn't have the votes to do the will of the state. It was compelled speech. And the fact that nobody caught this on its way up to and through the the various committees and the vote through the assembly, the vote through the state senate, and then eventually the signature of the governor. That, that, that apparently was lost on all of them. Thankfully, sometimes the judicial branch does, in fact, do the right thing, as it did certainly in this case. Now, here's the big $64,000 question. Even as the judge in this ruling has said, and I think aptly so, that the whole quote, I'm quoting here, the whole notion of being compelled to share information with our patients about abortion availability, contrary to the mission and purpose, is fundamentally wrong, certainly true. That was uh, the response by um, one of the um, one of the plaintiffs in, in this case about the judge's decision. How permanent is this? Well, this this governs now the state law and the enforcement by the state, which was the great threat up until her decision this was being enforced. This has been appealed from the Ninth Circuit. Again, the Ninth Circuit is the Western state's uh, appellate level for the federal courts, and it was being appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. We don't know what they're going to do. They're going to decide on Monday whether or not to allow the, the federal ruling to stand but in point of fact, this has, because the state courts are not letting it stand, um, this has jurisdiction. And, and if the U.S. Supreme Court doesn't take it up, then the law has effectively been struck. So that's, that's an extraordinary gift. Uh, again, we're looking at a very oppressive form of government right now. And, and all of us know that there's, there's something happening in, in the, the contest for how our government will be run. 
And uh, this is just great news that common sense can prevail and we don't have to be forced to promote abortion. Now, when you've got a growing number of people that live in this state that somehow think they ought to be above the Constitution of the United States and and craft essentially an entire entirely different country based not on differences of opinion as to how we ought to, uh, uh, you know, control our borders per se or tax our citizens, but rather based entirely on morality. Wow. That, that says a lot about the task at hand here in the state like California for what I would pray and hope is the majority of people uh, who are not over-the-top, crazy, extreme lefties, but rather are reasonable individuals who wish to show respect for the rule of law, the Constitution of California, the Constitution of the United States, and oh, do we dare say even maybe biblically-based morality? Uh, maybe not go that far. Not, not quite yet. Any event, our thanks to Brian Johnston for the good news concerning, once again, if you've joined us a bit late, a, um, a judge... Um, granting an injunction against California State Attorney General's office, preventing the enforcement of the Reproductive Fact Act, there's a big misnomer for you, AB 775, that would have compelled clinics, pro-life clinics, to post specific directions as to who to contact to obtain an abortion. The converse of requiring abortion clinics to let potential patients and clients know who to contact where they can go to look at alternatives to abortion, that, of course, was never a part of this bill. And so at the end of the day, um, the judge came in and said that this is wrong, it's inaccurate, it's profoundly inaccurate. Compelled speech must, quote, be subject to a reasonable limitation, and certainly in this case of AB 775, there was not. Good news tonight. Thanks to Brian Johnston, Western Regional Director with the National Right to Life Committee. 545... Let's uh, head on over to the KFAX Traffic Center once again, shall we? Get a look at what is uh, remaining in your Wednesday ride home, wherever you might be headed to, hither and yon. How far is it from hither and yon? I looked at that map quest. I don't, maybe Google Map, never mind. Let's get a look at traffic right now. <laughs> and now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Earlier in our program tonight, we were commenting with Hank Hammograph about the importance of being truth-tellers in relationship to Islam. And certainly the broader sense, I believe, is, is critically important, that biblical truth, solid theology, um, that notion that the truth will set you free, as we are exhorted in Scripture, um, is a platform and a foundation which I think is not only critically important for believers, but certainly from that salt and light aspect of what God has called us to do. We should be in the business of telling truth and communicating a gospel in the fashion and manner that helps the recipient, the listener, understand that God's Word, God's truth, is not just an old book with old ideas and old morality, but in fact the word that emanates from um, the Bible, God's word, is truth, and it is truth that is valid for today. That, by the way, is also the precept upon which a radio broadcast here on KFAX is based. It's called simply Truth for Today, and joining me now is its host, Bible teacher, senior pastor at Valley Bible Church, Pastor Phil Howard. Pastor Phil, how are you? Just 
fine. It's a delight to be with you, Craig. And and equally uh, for you to be on the program, be ever so briefly, we're going to get you in studio so we can get into a, a good theological discussion. But in the meanwhile, we wanted to invite you on today uh, to first, if listeners are not aware, that Truth For Today Radio is back on the air here on KFAX Monday through Friday. You have now been forewarned. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, weekday mornings at 5.30 a.m. right here on KFAX, and of course, a special Sunday broadcast, Sunday mornings at 8.30, great way to get your uh, day of worship off to a good start. And let's talk about this whole concept of truth-telling for today, Pastor Howard. Sometimes we as Christians kind of tend to approach this topic with a, a, a bit of um, chagrin. We don't want to embarrass people. We don't want to come off as if we're Bible thumpers. But the fact of the matter is the world around us, without the Word of God, without the truth of Scripture, is perishing all about us. All, all about us. I've, I heard someone say that uh, if you want to remain relevant, speak of things eternal. And uh, C.S. Lewis used to say, for every new book you read, you need to read an older book so that you didn't have the conceit of thinking that only your age has the truth. Well, what we've got in Scripture is a God that uh, has never had to update uh, the edition. Uh, Can you imagine practicing medicine today out of a medical book written in the 1800s or uh, maybe 10 uh, A.D.? But the Word of God is eternal. God's bound to it. And today we've fallen in love with style, and we've often given up substance. That's why they say many people, uh, I just heard a man share that many people in church uh, on the spectrum of truth, one may be liberal, one may be to the right to be very orthodox, and what we have is a lot of people in the mushy middle, and the only thing that keeps them is entertainment or uh, maybe the the kind of music, and I love music, don't mind that, but they're not committed to truth. It's the latest style. It's uh, And uh, it will, you can lose the gospel in a generation when truth doesn't matter. And as you point out, there is that sense, and Scripture tells us, to be, to be wary of those with uh, uh, itching ears that would seek to um, expose themselves and gobble up every wind of doctrine that comes along, most of which tends to appeal to uh, the short term, the temporary, certainly the flesh, um, the kind of that just to make me feel better about myself for today so I can get through the next 72 hours, the next week, whatever the case might be, not really thinking about the long term eternal picture, and yet that really is the plane that we have to operate from a theological standpoint, isn't it? That we have to be mindful that what this is about is not just praying that God will heal us from our cold or, uh, you know, put enough money in our bank account to buy the new car that we need, but, but rather that we are right in our relationship with Him, because these are serious matters of eternity, which is a lot longer than what it takes to go to the doctor and get a prescription to get over your cold. It's absolute, It's what makes uh, this work so uh, critical. We're talking about eternal uh, destiny. We're talking about uh, a man or woman's soul. No, no, this is, uh, you know, anything that would demand the life of the Son of God in the vicious death of Calvary, 
uh, is not kids' play or light. And uh, this is not a Greek tragedy. This is a divine plan. And so we beg men, we beg women to be reconciled to God on the basis of a, an atonement paid. And no, no, it's uh, we must not be enslaved to uh, the itching ears. I just read Second Corinthians 2 where Paul said, we are the, this aroma unto life to those who believe, to death to those who refuse. But then he said, we are not uh, adulterating the Word of God. And the word literally had the idea, it was used in Isaiah, of adding water to the wine to, to make, you know, the merchant wants to sell more of the wine, so he just waters it down, waters it down, and, and you have no idea of what the original uh, fruit really tastes. You, you're drinking a lot more water than you are wine. And so, of all things, let us not water down what God has said. And at the end of the day, as we were articulating earlier, it's important that we are truth-tellers and to be ready to give that answer for the hope that lies within, that there are people all around us that are desperately seeking something that they can hang their life on to, that, yes, maybe temporarily they like to anesthetize their pain and their feelings of inadequacy and loneliness and lostness with drugs and alcohol and new fancy cars, whatever it might be. But at the end of the day, we're all looking to have that connectivity that relational experience with God, even though we might perhaps at the very get-go not recognize that, God yet has created all of us with that, as it's often called, the God-shaped vacuum in our life that necessitates that we walk in fellowship with Him. That's certainly God's desire. And so we as Christians then need to be in a place where we let our light so shine amongst men that when they look at us, they say, there's something different about you. What is that? Where is that hope? What's the source of your joy? And now we have an opportunity to share truth for today. By the way, let me mention, uh, you've got a very special listener celebration coming up Friday, November the 10th. Tell us more about that, Pastor Howard. Well, we we have been on uh, KFAX, uh, my memory serves me right, over 20 years. We've started on a Saturday broadcast, and then we expanded to the morning broadcast, so it's been over 20 years that we have endeavored to sow the word, uh, and we're having a listener celebration uh, on Friday, November 10th, uh, 6.30 to 9 o'clock. We're going to uh, give a wonderful meal. We're going to have some uh, music. We're going to have uh, Jessica Stan, uh, who's a regular uh, speaker on KFAX and an outstanding pastor in the Bay Area. It's just uh, going to be a great night of celebrating God's Word, making no apologies for what God has said, and saying, for at least 20 years, we have tried to sow the Word of God beyond the uh, walls of the, our facility in Hercules, because we keep thinking uh, this message has to get out, and we love you listeners to come. Many times it's hard to get a letter, uh, let alone a person that is supporting us. We need your help, and uh, but God keeps raising up faithful people that keep us on because we believe in truth. Uh, they're more in love with the truth than they are the speaker of the truth, uh, and those messengers are coming and going, but the truth will outlast us all. We want you to come. It's free. 
there'll be a, a wonderful time of uh, meeting different people and have some of the KFAX family there. No, it's going to be a great evening. Uh, free meal, free. You won't. There won't be a better thing in town going that night. Than, <laughs> I love it. This celebration. And again, that's going to be Friday, November the tenth, six thirty p.m. Hosted at Valley Bible Church. Complete details on the web. You can go to truthfortodayradio.org and get details and uh, make your reservations. Again, no cost. Just an opportunity to come out and enjoy some fellowship, enjoy a good meal, and uh, enjoy a message by Pastor Jesse Gastan. I'm just trying to figure out. Now, Pastor Jesse's on the radio about four and a half hours a week here on KFAX, and I'm on the radio over 10 hours a week, and he's the keynote speaker. What's up? i got to get a better agent. Is that the deal here? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess the different roles. You're, you're a friend of all of us guys that are on the radio, and you've been kind of a pace setter. Uh, all you need to do is start yourself a church now, and that will up your status. Well, let's see if I can get to work on that. I've already got the ordination. Let's see if we can get up to the next step there. Well, you have to give Pastor Jesse a bad time for me uh, a week oh, from Friday. Well, we got to keep <laughs> you doing what you're doing. I appreciate that, Pastor Phil. Hey, listen, I, again, I want to urge listeners, come on out. It's going to be a fun time and an opportunity to open the Word, and, and certainly uh, as you enjoy the Bible teaching of um, Pastor Phil Howard on Truth for Today here on KFAX, again, Monday through Friday at 5.30 a.m. and Sundays at 8.30 a.m. We want you to come on out, learn more about the ministry, and uh, have a good time, uh, not only breaking bread, but uh, getting into God's Word as well with uh, Jesse. What, what's his name? He's on the radio. Oh, Pastor Jesse Gestand. <laughs> if he's listening right now, he'll be queued up to give me a hard time. I know it. Pastor Phil Howard. Pastor Phil, thanks for the time. And again, we send listeners to the website for more information at truthfortodayradio.org. That's truthfortodayradio.org. And our thanks again to Pastor Phil Howard, Senior Pastor of Valley Bible Church and speaker on the Truth For Today radio broadcast. 602, let's get you caught up on traffic right quick. Head over to the KFAX Traffic Center, and then when we come back, we're going to talk a bit about the challenges that money presents in marriage. Some insights coming up next. Lifeline continues after a look first at traffic with Michael Bennett. Michael, what's going on? Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.